Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part improv comedy and uh, part Malcolm in the Middle Review Club. This week we're going to be watching Season 1, Episode 12, Cheerleader. In this episode, uh, Reese starts taking better care of himself so he can impress a girl at school. Alex, what did you think about this episode? Well, Craig, if there's ever been an episode where I wanted to kill myself, we're going to start off with this one. <laughs> wow, right out the gates on this. And it's not even did that not I don't like to... Malcolm in the Middle. It's you just, just didn't the... want to play in this space. I just didn't feel like it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I presented an area for us to play. You saw it. It was like, I recognize I should participate in this and then actively chose against it. Yeah. I'm just going to... I see your interesting angle and i raise you a hostile one (laughs) and we'll see where it goes hey nothing brings a podcast together more than conflicting energies towards participating in bits right so top three places where you don't want to joke about killing yourself uh number one or that, um, is that a safe place to joke about killing yourself? I think that's a, it depends on the therapist. You can't do it right away. Wait, can you give it, him a little it, wink, wink? Be like, ah, I can't wait to kill myself later. <laughs> wink, wink. Because I feel like a lot of, like, you can't be, you can't go that literal with it. Um, but a lot of therapists will be like, this is how they cope. This is how they cope. You can't do it when you're in the mental hospital. Okay. When you're in the psych ward, that's off limits. Okay. So we'll put that at number one. Yeah. I'm going to say two, Court? anytime you're meeting someone important, like in-laws, a boss, yeah. um, I mean, those are Trying two to big make a ones. first impression on like a potential significant other, like right. first date. it's a bad first impression. <laughs> Be like, don't worry, this goes bad, I'll just end it all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, don't worry. I had, I had a few extra pills in my car. I anticipated this. Don't worry. Um, I, have a, I have a plan B. <laughs> and it's the plan uh, be my life now and i and i feel like the third is court i can't imagine that go over very well yeah um, how do you plead well if this doesn't go away i'm ending it all well if you don't sentence me to death i will so yeah do you promise to tell the truth nothing but the truth well can't wait to kill myself <laughs> Anyway, I don't even know if I'm going to use this intro or not. We'll see how I feel in a week. Uh, I'm going to put a trigger warning in this. Let's just talk about a movie. A movie with, I'm going to say, a drastically different tone than what we've been bringing for the last four minutes. Welcome to December, or as we're calling it, Christmas. This month, we're watching a movie from all of the distinct Chris's in Hollywood. And we are starting with the number one, the OG Chris Evans. We are watching a 2017 movie called Gifted. We're we're probably just going to full send it. It's a pretty easy movie to watch. So don't worry too much about spoilers. We're probably going to get into them, but it's not going to make or break your enjoyment of the movie. That being said, if you don't want to hear us talk about it, you can go to this time code right here. Time code, 23 minutes. 45 seconds. So gifted, like I said, 2017 movie, Chris Evans, McKenna Grace, Octavia Spencer, and Jenny Slate are all the big hitters in this movie. And it's a movie about Chris Evans, who is raising his niece after uh, his sister, the girl's mother, uh, 
kills herself. Wow, we did kind of go full circle. <laughs> huh, huh, interesting. That came back sooner than I thought it would. Anyway, um, and what's important is this girl, this child, is a math prodigy. And Chris Evans's character, Frank, knew this. Her sister was a prodigy. He was kind of a prodigy. So it makes sense that she, the daughter, is as well. Yeah, and their mom is also a mathematics, pro- or was a mathematics professor. And Frank really wanted to raise this girl, Mary, not like she's a prodigy. He wanted to give her a normal life because that's what his sister wanted as well. She didn't want her daughter to be under the prodigal stress that she was under that drove her to this state of mind. And the conflict of this movie is the kid's grandmother, Frank's mother, comes back into the picture and she's like, you haven't been letting Mary live up to her full potential. I want to get custody back of her so I can raise her like the genius she is meant to be. And that's the movie. Yup. That's literally the, the whole thing is like, a lot of times when we describe a synopsis, there's a lot more going on. There's subplots and stuff. No, that's the, that's the movie. That is the movie. Jenny Slate is elementary school teacher. She kind of has romantic interest in this, but that's honestly not even important. Yeah, she is like in the top build. She probably has like 20 minutes of screen time. She's not in and a lot of this movie. It's not super crucial. She's just the person who identifies from the school, like outside of Frank's perspective, that she is a prodigy. That being said... I like Jenny Slate a lot in this movie. Yeah, for sure. She's super nice. I think she gives off that energy. Like, I feel like she's not acting. Like, she's just that person. Yes. Uh, she normally plays, the, you know, she on Parks and Rec, she was this very uptight, you know, rich, snotty, arrogant person. And to see her do this, where she's a lot more down to earth, she genuinely cares, she's humble, like, that is a very good it, it's nice to see that kind of range from someone. And like you said, it comes very naturally to her in this movie. And so when she is on screen, I genuinely enjoyed her presence. Yeah, I I think she's just she's just sweet. Uh, Octavia Spencer's in this as well. Also, not super important to the movie, but really nice person. And she's an even yeah, less I, of the movie. There's just like lots of great acting performances to go around. Octavia Spencer, like you said, she's the next door neighbor that just cares because she cares. She has no skin in this game. She's she just wants to help because she cares about Mary. And um, I want to give a shout out to uh, McKenna Grace, who is the actress that played Mary in this movie. She is. I love her as an actress. I have yet to see her in something where she drops the ball or makes the movie worse. She's she's genuinely fantastic. She yeah. plays like every young version of like a white blonde woman from like 2015 to 2020. She was young Margot Robbie in I, Tanya. She's young Brie Larson in um, Captain Marvel. Like she's everywhere. She's one of those actresses that you look up her uh, stuff and you're like, how do you have 64 credits? You're 16 years old. And they're all great. Yeah. Um, she's also in like young shell. She's very good at coming across way smarter than she. People than, expect her to be. Yeah. The, people expect her to be for someone her age. This movie came out in 2017. She was nine when they were filming it. So she's supposed to be playing a first grader. She's playing. She's in real life. She's a third or fourth grader. It's still impressive. Um, I think 
bad child actors are very distracting and good child actors are distractingly good. And okay, I think she I is distractingly that. good. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that sentiment. I don't think I particularly resonate with it, but I understand where you're coming from with that. I And here's the thing. you don't. She didn't have to be acting well for 95% of the movie. When a kid is supposed to cry, if it's believable, you got me, bro. You got me. When she's like pounding on the window, being like, Frank, don't leave. I'm like, well. Oh, my God. That was rough. I'm not going to cry. Oh. I didn't feel like I had to cry. But I'm like, ooh. This feels a little real. <laughs> this is uh, yeah. this is good. <laughs> oh, some good yeah. stuff. This movie, uh, I was looking through some of the reviews of this, specifically the critic reviews of it, and a lot of people were the thing that I saw a lot was to the trained eye, it's very obvious when this movie is trying to emotionally manipulate you. They use those words, emotionally manipulate, and. That has a very negative connotation. I don't think this movie was trying to go that far. Yeah, obviously this movie was trying to make you feel something. And that something was mixed emotions across the board. But, like, I think this movie... I never felt manipulated into feeling something. Yeah. Um, I felt like there are certain things that are supposed to make you feel things. And they weren't new things. However... The one scene, there was one scene. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this before. And that's the scene at the hospital. Yes. I'm like, oh, I've never seen that before. I wouldn't say that's like emotionally manipulating me. I'm like, but it's, you're making me f- feel something out of novelty. And that's yes. a good feeling. So let's give context for this scene. Cause it's important. So, uh, during one of the custody, uh, hearings, uh, Mary's, father who she has not met her entire life shows up to the to the hearing and testifies and he does not visit mary he doesn't ask about mary he comes in testifies and leaves and mary is heartbroken about this she's yeah, like because she didn't uh, octavia spencer goes why'd you tell her and he goes because she was gonna find out because she wasn't in the courtroom so he had a so chris evans character frank went and told her hey i saw your dad today he didn't know you he didn't know where you were. Like he just told him what happened in the courtroom. Um, so she's finding out that her dad was like in town and didn't come and see her. Yeah. D- she's learning that her dad was in town. Her dad doesn't even remember her middle name. It did not make an active effort to search for her in the last six years. And when presented with an opportunity, did not follow through on even checking up on her. And so she's learning all these things at once and uh, believe it or not, doesn't take it very well. And so she's kind of having this breakdown of like, nobody wants to be around me. I'm kind of, I'm this tool. Like my grandma views me as like a tool for mathematics. My dad doesn't even care about me. My uncle thinks that I'm invading his personal life. Like, what am I even doing? And so to kind of remedy this, uh, Frank takes Mary and Octavia Spencer's character, uh, Roberta, Roberta. Yeah. And they all go to the hospital and they just wait in the waiting room until a family shows up. The wife goes, the wife is in labor and you see somebody come out of the room, out of the, I guess, operating room or whatever. Uh, and they say it's a boy. They're announcing that the child has been healthily born and there's this big like celebration you see this family rejoice it's this big moment of 
like human humanitarian emotion just like connecting and frank was trying to show mary this and say that rejoicing that shared excitement that they are showing over there we had the same emotions about you when you were born and that kind of regrounds her and like brings her back to reality yeah and it's a super touching part of the movie it's also one of those things that you don't see happen in movies before now we've seen a bunch of kids get separated from their parents we've seen a lot of court cases involving custody we've seen a lot of like dysfunctional families so when those emotional scenes come up it's nothing we haven't seen before but watching like a kid go to the hospital and witness what it's like to have a family like celebrate that was a new one and i thought that was very cool i wouldn't say i was emotionally manipulated but i do think there were some tropes that they played up a little bit sure because they're emotional yeah i <laughs> i think the acting in this movie is pretty good across the board uh hey gang if you are a chris evans stan if you love chris evans and you've been waiting for a movie that really just shows his bostonian vibes that's this movie. I've never seen be I've never seen Chris Evans be more Bostonian than in this movie. His accent is strong in this one. Yeah. And he's where is he in this movie? In Florida, Florida? I think. Yeah. So what's up with that? <laughs> well, because his family's they, from Massachusetts. Yeah, so that's why they were all and they to ran away MIT. to Florida. Yes, he did, yeah. Um, basically after Mary's mother died, he was like, I don't want her to even be around MIT to be influenced by that, like smart person mentality. So that's what he did is he literally picked up as like, I want you to be a, have a normal life in a town where we don't know anybody. Yeah. I didn't get super strong Boston vibes though. Oh, I'm it's getting in his accent. Yeah. I'm getting like, uh, in between Captain America movies vibes. Because sure. the dude's still like yeah. in a white shirt working on engines. I'm like, man, this guy does not have crazy range. He's yeah, so this was dude. 2017. This was 2017. So this was in between Civil War and Infinity War for him. Gotcha. Yeah, that tracks. He looks like it. He's freaking jacked. There's even a scene where everyone's like, oh, that's like the hot guy in town. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. At least we're acknowledging it. We're not pretending this guy's normal. I'm a big fan of the, I didn't ask to be a parent, but I'm going to try to do a good job anyway. Like, it's not, he's not bitter about it. He's not doing it out of, I never feel like Frank is obligated to take care of Mary. There's, he has so many outs over the course of this movie, but knowing that he does not have to fight or knowing that he does not have to raise Mary, but still wants to because he genuinely loves her. Like that is a really cool dynamic to see. And I think that it creates like a really cool relationship. Yeah. I mean, he's also her uncle who, and he's had her for like years. So it's a different perspective than a lot of movies where you see them deal with each other like weeks in, but he got her as a baby. Yeah. So, He is, for all intents and purposes, her father figure. And it feels like that. It doesn't feel like the uncle watching the niece. It feels like, I'm your dad, and I'm just not in a great place right now in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's sweet. I'm kind of sick and tired of the grandmother trope. 
that's trying to come in and mess all that stuff up. And it's even weird. I wouldn't say it's worse in this movie. It's weirder in the movie because the grandmother's going to come in and screw everything up is also his mom. Yeah. And I think you can easily forget about this. Be like, oh, this is like the kid's grandma. Be like, yeah, but this is also his mom who's trying to take away his niece from him. And they do bring that up a few times. It is easy to forget, though, because Frank, for all intents and purposes, despises his mom. Like, calls her by her first name, has not been in contact in many years. Like, genuine, like, just pure distaste for this woman. And it was kind of nice to see him be so blunt about it. But I can understand that, you know, it is a little tropey. And uh, if that's not a thing you're you're a fan of... This movie has a lot of that. Yeah. This movie very, it just feels like you got exactly what you thought you were going to get. Yes. I think when you gave the synopsis, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much the movie. Yeah. It encompass. there's no surprises. Now, there's a trope in this movie that I don't like, which is math prodigy understands symbols and we did not see them learn said symbols. Oh, where- yeah. Where we go into the movie and she's already at a collegiate level. Yeah. And we and just so, have to assume she already knew that. Because reg- being a prodigy, like having a natural gift for math doesn't tell you that putting two lines in between a value means that it's the absolute value of that number. Like that that's not that's not what being a prodigy is. You, you don't come preloaded with our man-made terms. And I feel like when she does that uh, that Boston trip, that two day Boston trip, and right. she makes that progress on uh, on the neighbor Stokes problem, like she starts doing stuff that I'm like, I don't remember when she like was able to like make sense of this. We went from yeah. But the thing is, is like so when her, her grandmother comes in, gives her a laptop, and says, "You should read this thing about discrete mathematics." She's like, "I already read it." So it's understood oh, okay. she's smart. And I think that's when her grandmother re- realizes, oh, she's smarter than I thought she was. Because then she goes, well, there's okay. some other books in there. And he goes, She goes, I'm really past that right now. That's kind of your only exposure to how smart she is besides the like pop quiz her teacher gives her that has a bunch of Algebra 2 on it. We went from like five-digit multiplication to Millennium Prize mathematics problems in like 45 minutes. And it was a little jarring. I just don't. The, one of the reasons I don't like prodigy movies is because they're. J- we all know how to pretend to be a prodigy. So it's not impressive. You know what I mean? Because you just have to memorize the lines and you just have to uh, know the symbols to write down. So I find prodigy movies kind of boring because there's nothing innately impressive. What I do find impressive is like when there's like a musical talent or a singing talent when I'm like. You can't fake that. That kid actually did that. So here's what I'm going to say about that is I think I think that we have praised people for acting on less than that. (laughs) I think that that's a weird line to draw in the sand. So I'm going to say that it comes less down to the acting and more to the writing of like you said, we know that, you know, this person isn't actually a prodigy. So it comes down to the writing of like, how do you prove that you're a prodigy? yeah. Or rather, what elevates this movie above just the prodigy aspect? Like, this wasn't about making sure that she utilizes her prodigy skills 
because that's her duty as a prodigy. It's about like, how do you balance being smart and being normal? And is it worth sacrificing her being smart for her being normal? Like, where's that line? Can you do both? Should you do both? Should you favor one over the other? There's an emotional journey along the way. And I think that whether or not you resonate with that or like if the movie does a good job of making you resonate with that, that's the importance of a prodigy movie is it doesn't just boil down to did they memorize their lines good, but rather does this movie still tell an impactful story despite the fact that 1% of the audience is going to be a prodigy that can relate to this? Yeah, I think a couple things. I don't think prod- I think I'm over prodigy movies because they're all the same movie. And I like th- I like this take of I want her to be normal, but that's not even an interesting take. That's a real take, but it's not interesting. I think this is the most well-made version of that take I have seen. Right. But for me, it just feels like I saw the best version of Batman, but I'd already seen <laughs> Batman a couple of times. Okay. You know, so we don't really need to see the Batarang another time and I don't need to see his parents get killed another time. So what can you, you know, what have you done for me lately? Now that analogy doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but I'm all glad I'm saying in this movie that. was mid. I like this movie a lot. Uh, This is my second time watching it. I watched it right when it came out on DVD. I wasn't able to see it in theaters. It was in my top 10 for the the year it came out. Oh, wow. It might have even been in my top three. Um, Let me see. It was number two. It was number two the year it came out. Holy for me. crap. I, I, I just, I like this movie a lot. I, I like the actors in it. I think the emotional storytelling is done very well. I think it's the moments where it wants to mess with you. It does it in a very strong manner. I, just, I, I like this movie. And also, this movie's an hour 40 minutes. Ooh, <sighs> this movie's an hour 40 I'm so minutes. glad this movie was an hour and 40 minutes. It, it yeah. boosted this movie. It made it movie the movie better. That it was this short. So I I know that I my number is going to be way higher than yours, and I've accepted that. This movie sits at eight and a quarter. Golly, bro! I like this movie a lot. I am stuck between six and a quarter and six and a half. I think there's a lot of extras going on. I think the writing needs some work. I think the core emotional energy is fire. Um, because it makes this movie makes you feel things. Whether or not it's going to make you feel extreme things, like enough to make you cry or whatever, I think that depends person to person. But undoubtedly, you're going to feel something. Um, so I, I think I'll give it a six and a half. Pretty good. Okay. I would recommend it to yeah. people. I just would be like, don't pay for it. That's my thing. If you have daddy issues and like Chris Evans, this movie is for you. That's <laughs> this movie is for you. This is how we rec- like, hey, if those are if those are in like your top three personality traits, like this movie checks two of those boxes. <laughs> yeah. Like it, this movie was made for you. Anyway, yeah, that's legit. Let's move on. Let's move on. OK. Um, Welcome back, non-movie listeners. Uh, I have prepared a new improv segment. I have come up with a bare bones skeleton of a concept and we're going to see how it goes okay sure so this segment is called and how is that going to help so basically what we're going to do is we're going to create a scene where there are problems and we have to we the scene is us figuring out how to solve those problems 
but the solutions might be unorthodox, unconventional. You kind of question if it's going to work at all. And so the scene is going to be breaking down how these unconventional solutions will actually solve the problem in some ludicrous multi-step ladder potentially kind of way. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. All right. Um, so I'm going to say, let's just start you and me. Uh, we're in a meeting and we just found out our pro like we're in the, our company is in the red for the third quarter in a row. Oof. And we, and, uh, we have to start coming up with some solutions on how to get it back. Okay. Okay. All right. So this isn't public yet, but we just got our earnings report and we're down 25% from Holy, last quarter. How are we still in business? Well, technically I think we are only still in business cause we haven't locked the doors yet. I think once that happens, we like our badge access will be revoked. I, <laughs> I'm genuinely scared if the stockholders get a hold of this information. We're we're finished. We are finished well, tomorrow. I mean, just me holding it right now is illegal because you know it's insider information. I'm hold I'm withholding information from the stockholders. But uh, we got we got to come up with something before we break the news. Okay. Okay. How about sell all of our stock before it drops? And how it? Okay. Hold on. That might help us, right. but I don't know how that helps the company. Are we going to like reinvest I, the money or? Wait, are we trying to workshop how to help the company or how to help us? I think there was a little bit of confusion. Well, I feel like if we help the company, that would also help us. But not as much, you know, as it would help okay. us. Okay, so here are our options. Okay, I'm going to lay these out for you pretty, pretty uh, straight laced. Uh, first option is... Uh, try to help the company, and if it doesn't work out, we lose Our some jobs. personal money. Yeah. Two, okay. uh, arrested for insider trading. Right. If we get caught and if they can prove it. Okay. Um, we are in a boardroom, and we have cameras in this room. Okay. I have an idea. Okay. Ladders. And how is that going to help? feel like you kind of have to take it from there. I offered up the idea. I felt like you should do the rest. No? Am I on my own for this one? So, so hold on. So, let me get this straight. Yeah. So, after offering in, let me be clear, illegal solution, you threw out the first object that you saw in the room, which I have to assume was that ladder up in the corner, and just set it and asked me to fill in the blank? Yes. Well... It's a good thing they don't call me Stepladder Steve for no reason, all right? Here's what we do. Number one, we take the ladder, we go up to the roof of the building, okay? And then we uh, prop it up against the antenna, the antenna that provides, you know, antenna stuff to the building. Do you know what antennas are covered in? Electrical wiring. We take the metal top of this ladder and we prop it up against the electrical wiring that goes in through the antenna. So... The the um, ladder is conducting the electricity, and then you touch the metal part of the ladder, conducting the electricity yourself, and then we can sue whoever did the wiring of the antenna for the money that we need to bail us out. Yeah, I don't think that's what I meant by ladder. Okay, well, you didn't mean anything when you said ladder, so... <laughs> Wait, do you have any ideas? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I was too busy thinking about your idea. Um, <laughs> what about, um, do you think we could like, do, do you think that maybe like 
Scandinavian shipping laws might help us at all. Okay. So as you know, I'm long history with the Scandinavian shipping laws. Uh, my brother's actually in uh, Switzerland right now um, on his way back. I really um, thought you were about to say that your brother was Scandinavian and you weren't. That would have been a, but you know, whatever. You know, first of all, you don't know my ancestry. Okay. You don't know. Your ancestry? Also, my ancestry. Yeah. Oh. My, you don't know my ancestry. <laughs> okay. So here's how this is going to help. Are we still open for crimes or no? If we can keep it to misdemeanors, that'd be great. Okay. So here's what we do. We don't need to get in the black. We need to seem like we're in the black. So I think we take a loan out on the company credit and we start buying an extreme amount of products from Scandinavian countries. And then I think we take a loan out against those products, use those as collateral, and then throw all our money in Swiss banks. So I have seen Catch Me If You Can, and this does not work for Frank Abagnale Sr. That's like the whole reason he gets into debt. Okay, second idea. Okay. Same thing with what you said. Trade laws. So just do them both at the same time. It's very similar. We'll do both at the same time. Yeah. Okay. And we ship with Scandinavian uh, freight. Vendors. Obviously. Vendors. It's a whole thing we're going to do. You know, fill in the blanks. We're a shipping company. We ship our new product, Ladders. So what you're saying is we need to pivot from food packaging and meal prep, just do a full 180 into Ladders and industrial (laughs) sales? Ladders, bro. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Or we finally make good on that suicide pact that we signed 12 years ago. Cox gun. (laughs) Beautiful. Love it. Now, yeah. we didn't use the phrase, now how is that going to help? But I still feel I like we got a good scene out of there. You used it I once. Did. I didn't know if we needed yeah. to keep doing it over and over and over again. Nah, I mean, I, I, that, that was the intention, but if, if it doesn't come up naturally, then so be it. I think we put out some good content, and I stand behind that scene we did. Absolutely. So, hey, Martha Stewart, if you're down to give insider trading another shot, hook us up. Or we Nancy Pelosi. I know you're in the middle of it right now, but you can use some of our ideas. All right, what's this middle segment that you have for me? We're doing actor acumen, a.k.a. AA. We're doing it back, bringing it back again. Now, Craig, <laughs> I've been meticulous in following the rules. Last time I asked you a couple questions, which at best were misleading. I told you, hey, this has nothing to do with their nationality. That was a lie. Didn't have anything to do with their accents. That was a lie. Now I am positive all of these movies have something to do with a movie or a role or acting. Okay. Except for one, which is a <laughs> little. <laughs> it's a little I've on the been fence. Painstakingly, I've been a stickler it's to the rules. It's a little on the fence. If I deviate such as a hair away from the rules, I make sure that I put myself back, except for one. Except for the one. I did leave the one because I like that one. It's. It's. Okay, I'm also throwing in TV shows, and it's okay. acting adjacent. And I will let okay. you know. Let's just do that one first, okay? Okay, sure, yeah. So, to remind her for the audience for scorekeeping, so you can do this at home. If he guesses the right person, the odd person out, he gets one point. If he can guess the category, it's three points. Ten questions. So, this is the acting adjacent. Which one of these is the odd person out? Zoe Dejanel, Rob McElhaney, Mila Kunis, David Tennant. You're giving me four? Yeah. 
I'm doing four for all of them. Okay. So Rob McElhenney, Mila Kunis, David Tennant. Zoe Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Okay. Odd man out. I'm going to say that mm, David Tennant's a weird one for you to pull. (laughs) David Tennant is such a weird one for you to pull. Because my gut says they've all been on Family Guy, except for David Tennant. And... I don't know. I don't know if that's true. But how would that be? Now, Craig, I'm going to help you out a little bit. How is that acting adjacent? That's just straight up acting. That's okay. And again, uh, is it that they've all gone into business with Ryan Reynolds? Um, Golly, I really don't know. I'm going to just take a stab in the dark and I'm going to say that Mila Kunis is the odd one out. And do you have a guess why? No, not even a little. It's Zoe Deschanel. Everyone else married a co-star. Oh, you're right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's one. David Tennant married his daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all the other ones are acting. Okay, gotcha. Starting from the top. Odd Man Out, Adam Sandler, John Travolta, Glenn Close, Emma Watson. I'm going to say... Adam Sandler's the only one that hasn't been in a musical. I'll take it. Um, not what I was going for, um, but you get two points for creating a category that didn't exist. <laughs> um, it wasn't Adam Sandler, though, originally. It was Emma Watson. She was the only one who hasn't played a character of the opposite gender of themselves. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But I'll give you, you get two points for that one, dude. I don't know if that's true, though. I'm double-checking. Emma Watson hasn't. Adam Sandler was Jill in Jack and Jill. John Travolta was in Hairspray. And Glenn Close was okay. in Albert Knobs. Glenn Close was in Tarzan. So, yeah. Oh, there All you right. go. Um, next one. Odd Man Out, Benedict Cumberbatch, Johnny Depp, Denzel Washington, Ben Kingsley. Is Denzel Washington the only one not involved in like a Sherlock Holmes property? Negative. Uh, um, I would take either biopics or played someone currently dead. Oh, interesting. Um, so that would be. Oh, wait a second. Johnny Depp played a gangster, Whitey Bulger, who is currently dead. I don't know if he's still. I'm pretty sure he's dead. So that was a that was an impossible question, dude. This is so just you, a hard on. thing. So you're saying so you're saying that Johnny Depp was the odd man out because he wasn't <coughs> in a biopic. Yeah, but he was. He was in. He played oh, okay. a gangster. Playing a guy named Whitey Bulger, who I think is dead. The original category was played someone who's dead. Let me see if this guy's dead. Yep, he died in 2018. Gosh darn it. That was an impossible <laughs> one. No points to wash. Golly, I ruined my own test. You would have no idea. Um, And Donnie Brasco is kind of a biopic, isn't it? I don't think Donnie Brasco is a real guy. Oh. But book, Donnie Brasco, a- My Life Undercover in the Mafia. There you go. Basically- I just picked... I picked... The problem is when you're guessing... And I have to make up a guy. That's the hardest part. Because yes, I cleared the absolutely. other three. I know for a fact they are. So now I need to comb through this person's history. <laughs> to make sure they also don't fit. Anyways, this test is a wash. I don't get paid enough. Um, Tom Cruise, Will Smith, Tom Holland, Keanu Reeves. Tom Cruise, Will Smith, Tom Holland, Keanu Reeves. Tom Cruise is the only... Hmm. This one's tough. This one, I mean, hey, they're all kind of tough. Um, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise, Will Smith, Tom Holland, Keanu Reeves. I'm going to say, <laughs> um, oh, 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 
it, Tom, hmm. So Tom Cruise and Keanu Reeves have both played assassins or hitmen. Um, has Will Smith or Tom Holland played a hitman? I never saw that movie Cherry. If Tom Holland was a hitman, it would have been in Cherry. Was Will Smith a hitman in Agents in Disguise? Does that count? Does he count as a hitman in Gemini Man? I'm going to say that Tom Holland is the only one that hasn't played a hitman. That's a good one. It wasn't it. Will Smith was a dead shot, which is a hitman. Yeah. Yes. Um, Not the right category. But I made was up the a correct, correct one. But not the correct person either. I put people famous for doing their own stunts. Will Smith is not famous for doing his own stunts. He gets a, he has a stunt double. But you get two yeah. points for making up your own one anyway. <laughs> um, Check out Collateral this with one, Tom Cruise. This, it's my favorite Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Um, Kevin Costner, Drew Barrymore, Kevin Hart, Chris Pratt. Um, Kevin Hart and Drew Barrymore both have their own talk shows. Um, I can't imagine that Kevin Costner has one. Chris Pratt is too famous to have one. Um, is Kevin Costner the only guy that hasn't been like an animated voice lead? No. Okay. Chris Pratt is the only one of those people who hasn't voiced a dog. Ah, that's where I was going with it. Yeah, you were I, close, bro. All right, that, I feel like that's the closest I've ever been without being right. Yeah. Oh. So Kevin Costner was a, he was the dog in the art of racing in the rain. Oh, that. But, so you made up a new movie to make me wrong on this. Oh, okay. You remember that movie he was in that no one saw? Wait till this next one. Drew Barrymore was in Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Okay, yeah, but I know about Beverly Hills Chihuahua. The art of racing in the rain came out three years ago. Yeah, I it has Amanda Seyfried in it. Okay, this one is one of the easier ones. Idris Elba, Jason Statham, James Spader, Will Ferrell. Wow, do Will Ferrell feel? Will Ferrell feels like such a red herring in here. It's not even close. <laughs> um, who was the so Idris? Jason Spader, Statham. Jason Spade, Statham. Spader okay. and Ferrell. Um, I know Idris and. Spader have both been in TV shows, like led TV shows. Will Ferrell hasn't, I don't think, has led a TV show. Um, and But I don't think Jason Statham has either. Um, are we counting like acting related? Like, this is the only guy that hasn't worked with Guy Ritchie. No, like I don't have okay. any of those like that. Okay, cool. Because um, that would be hard AF. <laughs> that would be hard. God, I know this. I, I I'm, I'm going like to tell you, a- you're going to be upset. Okay, then I have to choose Statham. I'm going to choose Statham because Farrell is the red herring, okay? Um, Is it that Statham is the only person that's only played bad guys? I know that's not true, but I'm just going to say it. It is Statham. Idris Elba played a bad guy in Hobbs and Shaw. Spader plays a bad guy in Ultron. Statham hasn't been in the office. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right, yeah. But you get a point for guessing the right guy. Uh, John Krasinski, Ben Affleck, Bradley Cooper, Christian Bale. First one? John John Krasinski. Krasinski. Um, The third one is the only one that hasn't done a Batman. No, that's not true. No, what am I thinking of? Um, So John Krasinski was Superman in League of Super Pets. Oh, are they both? Who is that last one? Krasinski, Affleck, Cooper, Bale. Cooper's the only one that hasn't been in both a DC and Marvel project. Yes. Wasn't it? We get two <laughs> points for that. Uh, Christian Bale hasn't directed a movie that he also starred in. 
Krasinski okay. was in Quiet Place. Ben Affleck did The Town and Argo, and Bradley Cooper did A Star Is Born. Yeah, but freaking two points for that, dude. <laughs> I don't know if it's more impressive that we're coming up with two categories like this <laughs> yeah. consistently. Um, so you have three left: Morgan Freeman, Val Kilmer, Whoopi Goldberg, Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox, Whoopi Goldberg, Morgan. Freeman. This one's hard. And who was the other one? Give it, sorry, I need to be writing these down. Jamie Fox, Whoopi Goldberg. Val Kilmer, Morgan Freeman. So Jamie Foxx and Val Kilmer were both Spider-Man villains. I can't imagine that Whoopi Goldberg was. <laughs> this one is, this is hard, dude. Um, I'm going to say that Morgan Freeman is the only one that hasn't worked with Neil Patrick Harris. Um, They all voiced God in a movie or two, oh. except for Jamie Foxx. Okay, that makes sense. That tracks, yeah. Um, two more. This one you gotta think broad, but you're gonna okay. get it. Okay. No, you're not, but okay. it's not well, impossible. Love the, I love the wishy-washy confidence, man. I know you're gonna get the next one. This one's hard. Okay. Leonardo DiCaprio, Adrian Brody, Marlon Brando, Robert Downey Jr. Making me think I know who Adrian Brody is. The pianist. Um, yeah. This Does is... it have something to do with Germany? They're... It has something to do with their styles. With their styles? That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> DiCaprio, Brody. Brando, RDJ. Is Brando, is Adrian Brody the only one that like hasn't done a comedy? Robert Downey Jr. is the only one who's not a method actor. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Last one. You're going to get this. Shia LaBeouf, Kiki Palmer, Zendaya, Millie Bobby Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. Well, because I know what you're going for here is kid acting. It's, it, 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 it involves child acting of some form. Um, Shia LaBeouf and Zendaya were both on Disney. Kiki Palmer was on Nickelodeon. Um, Millie Bobby Brown was on Netflix. Um, oh, um, is Millie Bobby Brown the only one that didn't do music at some point? Millie Bobby Brown is not in. They all did Disney. Kiki Palmer was in a Disney movie called Jump In with Corbin Blue. Who's a love interest. And she this did that before fishy. Two Jackson. And she did this that before, <laughs> before, before she did Two Jackson. Before Two Jackson? She did it before Two Jackson. Mm, that's the only technicality I'll let you get away with on that one. All right. <laughs> um, but I still get a point for You still got the point for Millie. Yeah. So, of the possible... 40. Jump in was before True Jackson. I'm not over this. I'm sorry. <laughs> so of the possible 36 points you could have got, that's not even correct math. 27 points you could have got. Um, you got eight, which is pretty good because this is hard. That's actor acumen. I hope you do the next one so you realize just how freaking hard it is to make this test and have it be bulletproof. <laughs> um, actor acumen. Hey, audience, uh, shoot. Craig a message, which the score you got three points for guessing the correct person and category two points. If you came up with your own category and it fits and one, if you just got the dude, right? Robbie Amell was in true Jackson VP. Yeah, he was bro. So it's Greg. That's where I knew Greg Proops from. Like when I saw him on whose line later in life, I'm like, yeah, that's a dude from true Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm sure that's not what he wanted to be known for, but that's fine. I've come up with what is easily, easily going to be your least favorite one hit I've ever done. All right. No. This one's called 
Gladiator. And the way this works is I'm going to tell you songs that were covered on the show Glee, and you're going to tell me if the Glee version is better or if the original version is better. Okay, so I don't hate this entirely because I liked Glee for a little bit. Okay. All right. Um let's let's start let's start with iconic. Don't stop believing. Is it um it, original? Way okay, better than yeah. the version. Um that is correct. You get a point Although for I that did one. sing the Glee version. Yeah. Um <laughs> What about uh what about Dream On? Oh, original's better. Uh, okay, so you got that one wrong, so you won't get a point for that one. Um what about uh uh what about uh hopelessly devoted to you? I don't remember the Glee version. But I don't like the original, so I'm going with Glee. Who's saying? Okay, it? that is the okay. So, so that one's correct. You'll get a point for that one. Um, what about the rumor has it slash someone like you medley? Rumor has it Adele version. Yeah. Do that. Was that the final season? Um, let me. It's. I don't think so. I never saw that. It was episode. probably. It was probably like 2011. Uh, rumor has it by Adele slaps, and I can't imagine a cover being better than that. Okay, yeah, and you're correct. So you're you're good on that one. Um, what about Smooth Criminal? Um, I bought that song. I will say it's probably a tie because the original is amazing. That cover was dope. Yeah, that cover awakened something good. in most people. <laughs> that was very good. In a on the answer key, I have that the Glee cast version is better, but I'll I'll let you slide on that one. Yeah. Um. What about Forget You featuring Gwyneth Paltrow? Uh, I sang that for eighth grade graduation in front of every parent with a graduating eighth grader. I hate that song. I hate it so much. <laughs> so I'm going original just because I listened to the Glee version so many times. It's I hate it. What about the Time Warp? Oh, I hate that. Oh, I, oh, I hate both of them. Um <sighs> So I'm wow, going to have version? to deduct some points on that one because that's just a, an incorrect opinion. Yikes. Freaking hate. If you don't like Dude, Rocky that Horror, that's made Rocky Horror popular again. Yeah, if you listen, if you don't like Rocky Horror as a whole, <laughs> that's fine. But you got to give Time Warp a little credit. I freaking hate Time Warp. <laughs> but I'm gonna say Glee version. Um, what about what about Marry You? Great song. Both of them. Both of them were fire. Both of them. Interesting. The answer key says the original, but you know, again, you know, I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not going to uh, cop you points that here. That freaking gives me PTSD. <laughs> uh, what about uh, Teenage Dream Acoustic? Original. I remember the episode being super cringy, like super yeah. cringy. And it was pretty controversial. It was all over the news because it's prom- prom- like promoting teen pregnancy and sex and stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, final, final question for you. Um, uh, what does the fox say? Greg? Yeah. Um, we're going to bleep out what you said, and I'm going to throw in Blame It on the Alcohol, a cover of the Jamie Foxx song. And I'm going to say tie because they're both freaking fire. And I have both versions on my phone right now. I do recommend watching some interviews where the cast talks about the whole filming process and just the the coping mechanisms that they had to use to get through filming. What does the Fox say? Um it's a real treat. <laughs> Would highly recommend watching those interviews. Okay. That was Gladiator. Um, and rest in peace to everyone whose Spotify wrapped is going to have the Glee cast somewhere in there. Couldn't be me. Um, Craig, what'd you have for freeballing? Had something and then I lost it. Um, oh, so I uh, played and perfected 
Sonic Frontiers, the most recent Sonic game. Got all the achievements, 1,000 points. Took like 20 hours. A lot of people have been hating on this game, and it's warranted. It's not a great games by games standards. However, as someone who likes to go fast and run in open fields and collect rings and do cool tricks and stuff, game's great. The game, the game's been a lot of fun. You know, it can, it can be a game where you invest yourself in the story, or you can just turn your brain off and uh, not care at all. I did a healthy mix of both. Um, I think the game does a really good job at like leveling you up quickly, so you feel like you're making very fast progress. I like that a lot. Um, there's more than one battle as Supersonic, so it's not just saved for the end of the game. You you get to do it a few times across the course of the game. That's a lot of fun. Um, oh. Mechanics-wise, the game could use a few quality of life improvements. <laughs> um, so you have four stats. You have attack, defense, ring count, and maximum speed. You talk to one person who does your attack and defense and another guy does your ring count and maximum speed. The attack and defense guy, uh, you have to bring them both like a certain number of upgrade collectibles. Okay. And they're different for each. Um, the upgrade and defense guy, you just give it to him all at once and you get all of it. The ring and speed guy, you have to talk to him no matter how many pieces of collectibles you have, you have to go through the level menu each individual time you want to level up. And uh, Alex, each stat has 99 levels. Oh, dude. So that was not great. That was that was less than fun. Um, there's a dope fishing minigame, though. You get, I got to fish real fun. That was a lot of fishing in this game dude, that, that I depressed. chose to do. Um, I mean, it's not mandatory. You could skip the fishing. It just... It, you can collect a lot of the upgrade stuff a lot quicker. Overall, I had a fun time. I don't really recommend it to non-Sonic fans, but, you know, I got to go fast, and that satisfied a very specific niche in my heart. Um, I watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I This has been a movie that's been, like, creeping up closer and closer on my list. Um, It's 2005 Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. They're both so hot. <laughs> In this movie, it is wild, dude. It was like distracting. It is basically um, Spy Kids, but for adults. Yeah. They came out at the same time. All the tropes of having hidden weapons and gadgets around the house. It's it's rampant. Um, It's a pretty good movie. There's not a lot of substance to it. But there's a lot of, if you like those fights and the spy gadgets and the craziness and the shootouts and the explosions and the crazy driving and the undercover work, then this movie's for you. But that's all it is. It's about two hitmen that got married not knowing that the other person is a hitman. And then they find out and try to kill each other. And that's the entire movie. Okay, and cool. I liked it. <laughs> so I'm gonna give yeah. it a seven and a half. Rock on. I, I, I do want to watch this. It's on my list for sure. I also watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special Oof. on Disney Plus. It's 45 minutes. And what I'm going to say is going to sound a lot meaner than I mean it to. It's kind of just a big nothing burger. Um, like, if you really can't wait until May to get more Guardians of the Galaxy content, this is more of that. But 
I, I, the entire time I was watching it, I was just like, I would have happily sacrificed this if it meant we got Guardians 3 sooner. Like, if this oh, was something yeah. that was standing in the way, I would have sacrificed this in a heartbeat. It's very clearly a passion project. James Gunn has talked about, like, how he wanted to make a holiday special akin to the ones that he grew up watching. Like this holiday special is very much like I wanted to make something for a younger version of myself. And you can see it in this holiday special. I just didn't find it very funny. It, it focuses around Drax and Mantis and I like Mantis well enough. She's just not a leading character. And I've gone on record saying that I don't find the character of Drax very funny. So the fact that these two were uh, spearheading the special was <laughs> not ideal for me personally. They got the actors they could afford. <laughs> I don't know. Dave Bautista is not cheap. But um, of the group, Bradley sure, Cooper yeah. Pratt involved, he's probably the least expensive. And so I just thought... If you're real, really gearing for something, you know, watch it. I'm not going to stop you, but don't go in with high expectations, in my opinion. Sweet. Well, Craig, I watched Black Panther 2. Yeah. I don't know if I liked it or not. Um, that That is such a valid opinion. I don't. It wasn't a bad movie, but at the same time, there's a lot of things I would change. Yeah, this movie suffers a lot from, like, legacy in general, where, like, your opinion of how you think it needs to handle the legacy is going to affect whether or not you liked the movie. Yeah, so someone asked a good question, like, is this movie banking on legacy so hard off of Chadwick Boseman or Black Panther? Because let's say Chadwick Boseman was still alive. They couldn't come up, come to, like, financial compensation. And he's like, I'm just going to leave the project. I'm not doing this. And they killed him off like this. This movie wouldn't be nearly as sentimental. No, not at all. You're it totally right. So I think a movie that has to bank on some real life stuff happening can't be good. As good as a movie that doesn't. You know what yeah, I mean? Because it's, it's relying on some heartfelt feelings towards a real person. And the movie does something that it couldn't avoid, which was a scene Oh, by the way, I missed the first five minutes of the movie. Okay. So I showed so, up during a funeral. I know I've, I've read earlier. I'm like, oh, I missed like a pretty important scene where apparently like Shuri is like talking to yes. T'Challa. So Shuri, so, so Shuri is trying to save his life. He yeah, I didn't see that. Under, he's undergoing the final stages of a disease and she is rapidly trying to come up with a cure as he is dying in front of her. But you know, faces a problem that this movie couldn't avoid, which is, you know, they didn't really have a voice. You know, he couldn't have any lines. They couldn't, there wasn't a face for them to show. So like they, the first five minutes, everything that you missed was just a lot of referencing stuff we couldn't see, which again was something this movie could not avoid. But like you said, real life impacting stuff affects this movie. Yeah. Cause I, I think at the end of the day, you can have a great performance of something real life happens and the second movie doesn't have to run for like i think of heath ledger dying in dark knight that movie brought so much baggage into the last one um because chris nolan wanted to have all the villains come back which is why scarecrow has like a pretty prominent scene like the joker is supposed to come back to that didn't happen 
They didn't talk about it, but granted he wasn't the main, he wasn't the protagonist. He was the antagonist. So it's a little different. Um, I just think that like when you banking that hard on real life stuff, it's a gamble. And for me, it didn't pay off. It felt weird. Um, I think it took, I don't like how the character arc for Shuri took so long. And I know they did it on purpose. I just don't like that they did it. Because at the final scene when you're like, here's the moment of truth. I'm like, we should know by now. We're two hours and 20 minutes in the movie and we still don't know what she's going to do. And I'm going to say this is a light spoiler. So uh, be wary. Where like there's a part in Shuri's uh, grieving where she goes through what I'm going to call a vengeance arc. Where she kind of lets her moral slip a little bit. And that part doesn't last very long. It's like, I'm going to be vengeful for the final fight. And then, like you said, there's that moment of truth in the end. I'm like, I feel like you've spent too much of this movie not being vengeful for this to like, for me to like worry about which one you're going to choose. It just feels weird. I don't like it. I feel like there needed to be a smoother arc than these up and downs we were doing. I will say her, there's top three movies in the parts of the movie um, where when she, I'm trying not to spoil this movie, when she, when there is a scene with an ancestral plane, yeah, and you get to see a person you didn't know was going to be in the movie, I'm like, yes. this is freaking sick. I like this. Um, there's another scene where T'Challa's mother um has a scene where she's pretty much yelling at everyone on the council, and it was dope. Yeah, it was that. It oh, was- by the way, don't forget that when Killmonger was here, you all betrayed me. And left me. I wasn't queen anymore. You let him take over. And then all of a sudden, Tatala comes back and I'm queen again. And you thought I was going to forget. I'm like, bro, I forgot. I forgot about that part. That is a very good point. That is a very good point. Yeah. So that that was dope scene number two. And then dope scene number three. I mean, everything with Namor was sick, bro. Namor was a bad boy. Um, I, I kind of shared this sentiment when I talked about Black Panther. I didn't love Namor's motivations. I felt like Marvel does this thing. You know, they did it with Killmonger too, where it's like, hey. I have a good point, bad approach. Yeah. And I felt Namor had, I think, maybe the weakest point and the strongest approach. <laughs> yeah. I like Killmonger, I don't was kind of like, like okay, I, don't I like see him. where you're coming from. Yeah. I... Don't like his motivations. I just thought as a character, first, I haven't seen anything like him before. Like this guy's, he's dangerous. Sure. And not only is he dangerous, he's got a bunch of people who back him up who are also dangerous. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm used to henchmen. These people are elite. They are not to be trifled with. So the fact that this guy can also like freaking fly <laughs> And just murk people at will. I was like, oh, this guy's a, he's a problem. And I like that. Um, so if anything, I'll say I like the aesthetics of this movie a lot. Um, I think it's got vibes written all over it. The costumes, dope. The hair, dope. The cinematography, the environments, dope. The story for me was so freaking boring. There were so many like long dialogue scenes that I was bored. Um, th- there was like some minor comedic relief that I didn't think was funny that people just like actively laughed at. I'm like, come on guys. That was like, that was, these are throwaway jokes. Like we're going to, we're going to do a laugh break in theater for this. (laughs) Um, I think Shuri 
there is okay again i've heard other people review this there is you have to suspend some belief for shuri to be whooping some of these people i'm like oh you're talking about a person who has barely any fighting experience and now she's dangerous i'm like that just feels weird um so like that because the general kicking butt makes sense she's a she's like a martial arts expert she's trained on every weapon it makes sense and and then you know when yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i'm like so we're just supposed to believe shuri's elite now like she's supposed to be fighting a guy who's essentially been fighting since the 1400s or something like that doesn't seem real um so you have to kind of suspend belief on how dangerous she is like how much like it just doesn't feel real um and then this whole movie is based on an american scientist from mit who quickly becomes irrelevant yep yeah uh-huh yeah and when i because I brought this up last time where I was like, hey, can we stop having people be the focus of phase four and only use them as plot driving devices? Yeah, I remember you saying it, but not knowing who you were talking about, I'm like, I kind of just had to back you up. Now I'm like, yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. Because like, cool, we introduced a new character. Her lines were okay. I liked I mean, her performance. I really liked that actress. Yeah, I just, she seemed cool, but I'm like, this doesn't really fit. Yeah, like, like of all the movies to introduce Ironheart, like, this did feel like a weird choice. Yeah. All in all, the movie's too long. There was, I was, <laughs> like, <laughs> checking my phone in theater. Like, how much time do I have left? It's two hours and 40 minutes, and it feels like two hours and 40 minutes. So, it's good. I want to watch it again to figure out how good. I think I need to do the same thing with the first Black Panther, just to be like... Was I just tripping? Like, was I just riding the high of black acting and aesthetics? Or was the movie good? Um, And I feel like I might be doing that with this movie. I feel like me identifying with the culture and the costumes and the hairstyle and the language is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And I think once you get rid of... The problem is, is like, aesthetics is like 50% of every movie. Like, that's how war movies make their money is off aesthetics. You know? That's how film, filmy movies make their monies off of aesthetic. Babylon is going to be a 100% aesthetics. Yeah. So you can't remove it. Um, I don't know what to give this movie. I think a seven, but while that seems low when I really think about it, it also seems high. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say seven, but I'm not recommending this movie to anybody. Cause I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. I kind of felt the same way. I will so, say there are some songs on the soundtrack that are freaking bangers. But again, this has nothing to do with the movie. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, we can just wrap it up. Hey, we'll stop next week. Yeah. We're continuing Christmas. We're going to watch a Chris Hemsworth movie. And unless you wanted us to watch like Extraction, there's not much for us to choose from that's not <laughs> Thor. Um, so... Uh, we we went back a little bit. We're going to be watching The Cabin in the Woods. It's a jaunty little 90-minute horror movie. Um, a lot of people really like this movie, so I'm excited to to dive into it. My only point of reference for this movie is I did watch Scary Movie 5 in theaters <laughs> yeah. 10 years ago. And Cabin in the Woods was like the main movie that they parodied in scary movie five. So we're going to see how many scenes feel like a disjointed deja vu from a parody (laughs) movie. I saw 10 years ago. (laughs) Sounds good. But until then, my name is Craig Wells, AKA permanent handle. And I'm Alex good. AKA Alex good. 
Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. While you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces.